the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Business and investing news. We are Business 1440. KYCR, Golden Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump is defending his tweets, encouraging supporters to protest against stay-at-home orders. President Donald Trump isn't apologizing for tweets encouraging protests against stay-at-home orders in several states. I think some things are too tough. Questioned Friday night about his tweets earlier in the day, Trump blasted several governors, including Virginia Democrat Ralph Northam. He's a governor under a cloud to start off with. Trump also defended protesters and said he's not worried about them spreading COVID-19. They seem to be very responsible people to me. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, they've been treated a little bit rough. Mike Grossi at Washington. Is the coronavirus pandemic the result of an experiment gone wrong at a Chinese laboratory? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the first known case has turned up just miles away from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, known for what he calls its high-end virus research. This is SRN News. This is a national health care alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. Toll free at this number. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pair of diabetic socks as our special gift to you. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and have insurance, you may qualify to get free delivery of your supplies. 800-439-7409. 800-439-7409-800-439-7409. That's 800-439-7409. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today, or wherever our country needs us tomorrow. We always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. following program was pre-recorded the wall street business network is on the air we're not looking at noise this thing that we live in starves people don't hit me with them negative waves so early in the morning it's the king banyan show life in capitalism always ends in billionaires it's true it's true as an educator and former legislator professor banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you no one ever makes a billion dollars you take a billion dollars why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change the government is the public and the public decides what is good for itself why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here it's the king banyan show on business 1440 now go do that voodoo that you do here's king banyan Good morning. Welcome, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. You know why there's a happy sound in this voice? Because the golf courses are opening up. It's, Thanks, brother. You know, yeah. 
And not only are they opening up, they're opening up right about the time that they'd probably normally open up anyway. So what are we worried about? It's not that big a deal. Actually, that, there's a lot of big deals going on out there, but I have to tell you, the fact that the golf courses are opening uh, now has just put a spring in my step, uh, and uh, I have a brand new a brand new cart that I'm going to be constructing today while I'll also finish the uh, now late taxes that are not late because they said we could wait till July. Um but between when I need to take a break from that, I'm constructing a new uh, cart uh, for me to be pushing around the course. Um, it'll be different, right? I haven't quite figured out how to deal with a uh, a cup that you put to that you don't touch the cup or the uh, or the pin when you hit it in. I'm thinking it's like those. Do you remember when you'd have that machine where you'd put it in, and if it went in the cup, then the cup, the there'd be something electric in there, maybe battery run that would pop the ball back to you, and you could put it again. Maybe it's going to be like that. The course that figures that out, I'm telling you, I think I think we'll get a little extra play, except for when I chip it in and it gets kicked back out, and my partner says that didn't really go in the cup, because that would suck. It would, I I wouldn't be happy about that. But I am looking forward to the fact that we can get. We can get back to, we're starting to see little green shoots. We're seeing just like uh, the green shoots that are in your garden, maybe even, uh, it's probably a little early for asparagus. We used to have asparagus in our backyard. We don't currently. And I am sitting just just on the other side of the wall of the backyard here. Uh, we're still broadcasting to you uh, from uh, St. Cloud, but not from my office overlooking the Mississippi River. Instead, I am up. I am up in the north end of town at my home and uh, not too far from the Sauk River rather than the Mississippi. Uh, and um, we're still managing to get along. We're still in this uh, period where we have a stay at home, but it looks like maybe things are progressing. And you can start to think to yourself, maybe it's only two more weeks. Eh, that might not be too bad. Lots of things have happened over this time, though, over the last three to four weeks. And everyone believes that there's a recession, that we're already in it, and that it's been happening for probably uh, four to five weeks. Little debate going on whether or not the recession started in the first quarter or the second quarter. The way the Business Cycle Dating Committee, okay, doesn't this sound like fun? I think if you've listened to this show long enough, you probably have heard me talk about the Business Cycle Dating Committee, but I haven't had to talk about them for probably about seven years here on the King Banyan Show. Yeah, we've been here. Actually, this show's been here since 2009. We We were there in the middle of the recession to talk to you. And we're in the middle of this recession here to talk to you. Okay, that's longevity for a show. This show has lasted longer than the longest business cycle expansion in U.S. history. Think about that. But we talked about it. Yeah. Isn't that good? But the business cycle dating committee, which just sounds so strange. When I mentioned this in my classrooms, um, you get this funny look from people. Uh, I think I had at least one student say, so there's a committee out there that determines when you can date a business cycle? And I said, yes, but that doesn't sound as fun it might seem. First of all, you don't have to buy a business cycle dinner. Should be a rim shot there. Um, But what you can do, what you can do is you try to figure out when, there you go. The, uh, the, the Business Cycle Dating Committee is a piece of the National Bureau for Economic Research, or NBER. It was formed at the end of World War II. It was actually They actually started working on it during World War II because they had gone through the Great Depression without actually knowing what GDP was. We didn't even have that definition. We measured production in the economy actually by counting things like tons of iron and steel or or miles of railroad track. Maybe we would measure the, the uh, 
amount of goods and services good of goods that were being shipped along the railroad we didn't have ideas of how to measure services really during during the period we had folks out that out in the economy trying to figure out how to measure these items and part of that work led to the creation of the national bureau for economic research it eventually landed at Columbia University, which technically it's still at, although it's really just a group of economists that are affiliated with it that are scattered around the world, actually, not even just the United States. Although most of the, peop- most of the economists affiliated with NBER are, in fact, in the U.S. I've got a couple people in my university who are NBER-affiliated researchers. But one of the things that was formed for initially was to put these dates on business cycles. Did the recession? So today's this hour of the King Daniel show is to discuss two things: when did the recession start, and what are people saying about when did it when it's going to stop? When did it start? I think that's pretty easy. It started the week before you saw the first major shutdowns of the economy. So it started really in March, and I don't think there's any question that it started in March. I don't think there'll be any problem for the the business cycle dating committee to to create that as the date. That's e- that's the easy part. The hard part may be the hard part may be that if you're trying to say we've started in Q1 or Q2, well, more of the quarter was spent not in recession than in recession. But the size of the slowdown in the last three weeks of the quarter, basically from about March 10th to March 31st, is so abrupt, it is so hard, that I think there are going to be people that want to date it on Q1. Well, guess what? For the most part, dating of business cycles is based on monthly data. So let me explain a couple things to you, because I don't get to use the... I mean, I haven't had to give this talk since 2012, so it's nice to bring it back out again. I think you could actually go find an archive someplace where you could hear my 2012 show. Go to TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, although I'm not sure the 2012 shows are in that archive anymore. But they might be. There are four series that we look at to determine whether or not a business cycle expansion or is started or a business cycle recession has started. They are in order... Employment, which we covered two, you know, we covered the the number for March two weeks ago, and it was awful, right? We lost six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand jobs. Second, retail sales data, which was released this week and was really quite quite bad, right? The retail sales figures were we're pretty awful industrial production is the third one i'll get back to retail sales because i want to say something longer about that industrial production fell 5.4 percent now that's the measure that we always had going all the way back and i'm going to tell you a little bit because i've been having this fascination with spanish flu from 1918 1919 and you can actually dig around and find an industrial production measure that existed during the Spanish flu. It, it's the only thing that you can do in that period, right? And then the fourth one is going to be, is going to be real income or dis- disposable income, less transfer payments. And here you have to be very careful because the less transfer payments piece means that all of that money being paid in those unemployment checks are not going to get counted in the number we use to measure that. So at the beginning of this week, we had only one measure for March that was really negative, which was employment. These, this week, we got two more. Industrial production down about 5.4% in the month. Utilities were down about 3% in the month. I think that's probably my best guess for what was the impact of GDP in March, I actually think it's a lot smaller than a lot of other numbers that are out there. 
I think when this number finally gets reported, GDP for quarter one will be negative, but it's likely to be a, nu- a number closer, a number closer to like a minus two percent than than a minus seven percent, which Merrill Lynch has been saying over the last forty-eight hours. So those numbers are coming, right? Three of the four, and they're going to say it started in March. But I don't know that really means that the recession started in the first quarter. But that part we know. Why take the time to do that? I'll tell you after this. King Banyan Show, Business 1440. This is an important coronavirus update from the nonprofit Global Healthy Living Foundation. Do you or a loved one live with a chronic illness? If so, you and your family may be at a higher risk for contracting the COVID-19 coronavirus. The Global Healthy Living Foundation has made free information and support available for your protection and well-being. Go to GHLF.org to enroll in their free patient support program to get updates and information related to the coronavirus outbreak. Protect yourself and your family. Visit GHLF.org today. Staying home? Perfect. Because Omaha Steaks Stock-Up Sale offers fresh, all-American flavors safely to your door. Skip the long lines and feed your family the finest steaks, burgers, poultry, and pork, even easy-to-make meals, desserts, and more. Visit omahasteaks.com and type package in the search bar. You'll save 50% or more on freezer-filling assortments, plus orders over $69 ship free. Omaha Steaks Stock-Up Sale. Perfectly hearty, healthy, right at home. omahasteaks.com, keyword package, for free shipping on orders over $69. Oh, look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream Business 1440. Top shelf choices include TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, our free app, and Radio.com. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. So I have to be honest and let you know that sometimes I really do get nervous about our current situation. I know that I'm being taken care of, but sometimes I don't act like I know I'm being taken care of. I'm really not concerned about my health. I want to follow the protocol that is put before us. I want to honor those in authority over me. At the same time, I want to be a responsible and good steward of the resources that I've been given. Day-to-day activities might look a little bit different. We should continue steadfastly on the path that the Lord has given us. We're not called to worry. We're called to run a race of endurance. Remember, the world is watching. How we react to our situation could impact how people see our faith. So if you're interested in having a conversation about your roof or gutters or anything else, we encourage you to give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. Hi, Minnesota. Governor Tim Walz here. We're in an unprecedented situation in our fight against COVID-19. Please note that the state of Minnesota and our private sector partners are doing everything we can to keep you safe, but we need your help. Minnesotans, stay home. Let's flatten the curve on COVID. Let's make sure that we keep our family, our friends, and our neighbors safe. And if you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website. Together, Minnesotans, we'll defeat this and come out better on the other side. Thank you. Your Amazon smart speaker is now your all-access pass to financial strategists, economic pros, and more. Tune in with Alexa. Just say, play Business Radio 1440. That's play Business Radio 1440. I'll see you two tomorrow morning on a golf course. I feel like I need my my uh, NPR voice. Welcome back to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, we couldn't do that for a while. That, that wasn't pretty... very good, was it? No, no. Excellent, Leonard Pithgarnell. Thank you. Anyway, thank you for listening today. I've been talking about about uh, a lot about the uh, about the Spanish flu. I was doing some research because uh, we're trying to figure out, as a university, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's happening with uh, 
what's happening with uh, our enrollments for the next uh, for the next uh, year because universities are having a hard time figuring it out. We we have the same kinds of issues that say Major League Baseball has or or golf. Where I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about something in the next hour about we're going to talk about the business of sports. We're not going to talk about sports per se, you know, because I know most of my listeners. Don't listen to this show to talk about sports, but the business of sports and thinking about what reopening looks like, uh, I can talk about that from a number of standpoints, and I, I hope that uh, you would find that interesting. Um, but I was—I I mentioned before the break, industrial production in uh, at the time of the Spanish flu, so I was digging around looking for this data. Here's how sharp it was, right? So Spanish flu had a small outbreak in the spring of 1918. It first shows up, and we actually think it first showed up. If you read The Great Influenza about John Barry, you, you read that it actually started someplace in Kansas in a military camp where there was training going on. It goes away in the summer. It comes back in a much more virulent form in September, Okay, coming out of uh, what I what seems to be Fort Devens, a base that I've actually been on uh, because I had relatives who were in the who were in uh, the service um, who were stationed at Fort Devens outside of Boston and and eventually spreads here in August of 1918. The industrial production index, the industrial production index stands at a high of 118 normalized against 100 uh, for the index. And it's just a measure of the amount of, amount of manufactured goods being produced in the United States. It's the measure they had at the time. That falls in August 1918 from 118. By March of 1919, it had fallen all the way to 89. So that's a 20% drop in eight months. That's how sharp that that's how sharp an impact that had, and we don't actually talk much about there being a great recession or being a depression of 1918. There's a second one, so there's a pickup, and then there's a second recession that's pretty much better known in 1920. That happens around time, and then the Roaring Twenties comes right out of that right afterwards. But the first of those two almost double-dip recessions that happened at that time is Spanish flu. And so, I've been, and so the drop that we've experienced in one month of that 5.4 uh, drop is about like the drop between September and October of 1918, where it went from a reading of 115 to a reading of 108. That's about the size of the drop. And so... I'm still convinced that Spanish flu and the and what happened to the economy during Spanish flu could tell us something about the direction this goes. God bless you. If I'm right about that, then you can start to talk about a couple other things. You can start to talk about what happens what happens in terms of a recovery. Well, I just mentioned there was a second down phase of the recession in 1920, starting in January of 1920 and ending in July of 1921. That would mean that from the peak of September of 1918 to July of 1921 is almost a three-year period. On the other hand, nobody thinks the 1920 recession was caused by, was caused by Spanish flu. It was instead credit conditions and sort of a demobilization of the U.S. Army after World War I that is largely put to blame for what happened at that time. And remember, you didn't, the Federal Reserve existed, but they didn't really use monetary policy to do anything like what the Fed does today. We're going to talk about the Fed in the next hour, don't you worry. Actually, I'll have some quotes after that. But as people try to model this out, and this is the number one thing that, I, that I've told people in this is nobody's got a model that's ever experienced something like, something like this. And I need to explain what I mean when I say ex a model experienced. When we build models, be it of the pandemic, be it of the economy during a pandemic, being, be it be it a model of an economy during a financial crisis. The models are 
looking at the data and saying, what other period of time looks like the period of time I'm having right now? And we talk about, and we'll even talk in forecasting about training a model. I have training data for the model. So when I'm estimating whether or not, estimating the parameters of a model I'm building, I look for a set of data that has a lot of different things happening within it. And I use it to help build the parameters. And I refer to that as training the model. Okay. There's, but... The last experience that looks like this, again, is 1918. And I think 1918 is the right model. I don't think we can use 1957. I did think that uh, about a month ago. This looks worse than 1957. This looks worse than the, Asian, than the Asian flu of 57. It looks worse than Hong Kong flu. It's certainly not SARS or bird flu or avian flu. Uh, it's not Ebola, Zika. It's, not, it's none of that. Okay, it's akin to the it's akin to the great influenza. The magnitude of the changes that are happening in the economy look more that size, and that size was substantial. It's just that it was really, 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 really short. You read the histories of that time, and by spring of nineteen, fortunately enough, that flu ran out. The summer, summer, summertime temperatures stopped the infection process. And by the time 1919 rolled around, it had somehow managed to become less virulent. And I don't think we had a really better theory of how germs worked. We didn't really have good germ theory at the time. Frankly, in 1919, we probably just got lucky. They had discovered a lot of these non-medical, non-pharmaceutical interventions that we do today, like, like the stay-at-home orders or school closings or what have you. They did those things in 1918. And guess what? They did, they did flatten the curve. Interesting article put out by uh, by American Enterprise Institute, and in particular, and in particular, um, uh, uh, Robert Barrow, an economist at Harvard shows that, yeah, it flattened the curve, but all it does is push that push the number of people who actually cumulatively died during Spanish flu later. It's insignificant. By looking at different localities, at looking at 50 different cities that had 50 different sets of, of interventions, these interventions, like what we're doing here in many states right now, do flatten the curve. They work for that. They worked for that a century ago. But do they actually reduce the number of deaths? Well, that's the more argumentative point because we don't know that the, that the system would have been overwhelmed if we hadn't flattened the curve. There's some reason to believe that might be true. I, I don't know about you. I watch what happened in New York City and it's like, yeah, I think you've got to slow down the rate of people going into the hospital because that just looks overwhelming. Amen. But, but I'm not... I'm not a, uh, again, I'm not a doc. I'm not an epidemiologist. I didn't even take college biology. So I'm going to tell you, I don't know what I don't, I know what I don't know, and I don't know what it's like to manage a hospital. Okay, but that sure looked like a whole lot of people trying to go in, and I don't know how to solve that. So we know from the industrial production numbers from this week that so far, we're tracking like what happened in 1918. I'm digging all the way back to that to look for my parallels. Now, if I go look at the retail sales data, that is super, super interesting. Let me pull that up for you. Actually, retail sales was a positive. If you, if you account for, if you account for uh, uh, having stores, all the stores open for half the month, and for the fact that if you were like most of those other people, you, like me, you saw all those pictures of people running to the department stores to stock up on uh, toilet paper or stock up on, on hand sanitizer or so forth. And so, so actually retail sales went up, but it basically just pulled a lot of consumption into March that's now not going to happen in April. And so it's not really a reliable measure. Listen to this. 
151% plunge in clothing sales, 27% drop in restaurant bars, which is going to fall a lot further since we're only selling things uh, for delivery or takeout. 27% drop in furniture sales, a 15% drop in electronics, 20% decline in department stores. So sales and parts fell 26%, gas stations down 17%, building materials a gain of 1.3%, but talking to people in the hardware industry uh, who I've, I've been talking to in the last two weeks, their sales are declining as well. So that retail number is a positive so two negatives one positive with that disposable income number coming at the end of the month that's why i think the recession didn't really start in march it's probably going to really end up looking like it starts it starts in either march or april but it's not a first quarter decline we'll be back after this king banyan show business 1440 when will then be now soon Being a teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Minnesota's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right. Every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Attention, hardworking Americans that pay too much in taxes. How would you like to get an extra $5,000 back from your prior year's tax returns? Family Tax will take your filed tax returns for the last three years and analyze them. We are experts at finding hidden credits and deductions other tax companies miss. Even if you've already filed, it's never too late. We guarantee that the IRS will send you back at least $5,000 or our services are free. If you get a paycheck from your job you make at least thirty thousand dollars a year call right now and learn how you can get an extra five thousand dollars back from the irs from your past three years of tax returns make this guaranteed free call now 800-250-4079-800-250-4079-800-250-4079 that's 800-250-4079 following program was pre-recorded oh they took our jibs well they took your jobs or gerbs but for some people taking the gerb wasn't so bad because they gave you a $600 federal check in return for it thanks really? brother yeah I'm going to ask the serious question. How many people are going to their bosses and saying, I see things are slow here. I hear I can get 600 additional dollars in unemployment insurance. If you needed me to take a few weeks off and wanted to unemploy me for a bit, I'd be good with that.
probably happening a fair amount right now. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe in the next hour. That's But that probably is something that's happening out there. So, things got bad. Things have been pre- really bad. I haven't even talked about initial claims for unemployment insurance. We are already past the bottom of the hour, and I haven't even gotten to that. I've just looked at those monthly data, and those monthly data are bad enough. But the UI claims were certainly were certainly pretty big. That there was they were <laughs> they were they bombed. Although they weren't as bad, I guess, as people thought they were going to be. Uh, let me go grab that. I'm I'm trying to grab that number. Five point two five million, about two hundred fifty thousand below expectations. Now, here's something you can do if you're going to watch that number a little more closely, is dig behind the initial claims number and see if you can dig down the story to find the number for continuing claims. Continuing claims means that someone has in a previous week filed for for unemployment insurance and has come back and said, yep, I'm still unemployed, yep, I'm still looking for work. If there are people out there who are going in to file, get their money, and then going home and just not doing anything, or if they're being hired back from that payroll protection plan through the SBA, which ran out of money last week, if they are being hired back on that, those people might go file a claim and get a week or two of those those sweet, sweet $600 checks and then go go back to work. Now, that continuing claim number is at is at about 12 million. It's up 5 million from even two weeks ago. So if you take the 12 million, the 5 million, that's 17 million people who are claiming unemployment insurance. 17 million people. Take that by the covered employment level, and that's going to give you an unemployment rate somewhere somewhere around about 14%, if I've done my math right. So if I've got that right, I think that that that's telling me that this week in which we measured, I'm going to, I'm, I mean, if someone told me, well, the unemployment rate's going to come in less than 10%, it's like, ooh, I, I want some of that action. That's That ain't going to happen. It's going to be north of 10%. I think it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be somewhere between 13 and 15. Okay. And the question everyone has is, well, yeah, but it's going to bounce right back, right? Everything's going to come bouncing back, right? And I heard, I actually don't have the recording of it. I forgot to grab, I forgot to get get that clip to John uh, to cut for us this morning. But uh, Jim Bullard, who has typically been sort of on the the, uh, downside of things, comes out and says, no, I think things are going to be fine. I think we could really have a V-shaped recession. The Fed's doing a great job getting all this money out. We'll talk about that next hour. Uh, he's been fine with it. But Neil Kashkari here in Minneapolis has said, said I don't see a recovery coming anytime in, in, in 2020. And agreeing with him, and the clip I do have for you is from John Williams. He's the president of the New York Fed. And when he's asked what, what's happening and whether or not we're going to have a quick turnaround by Steve Leesman on CNBC on Friday morning, uh, he responds this, cut number two. Uh, in terms of a bounce back, I do think that as uh, we see uh, when restrictions are uh, relaxed uh, gradually over time, uh, based on what's happening uh, with the coronavirus, uh, we will see a return to certain uh, sectors of the economy. In particular, I see construction, which has been hit really hard and is very important, obviously, for our economy here in New York. Uh, I expect that to be able to bounce back a bit um, uh, more quickly than maybe some of the other sectors. But I don't see the economy being back to full strength uh, by the end of the year. Or, or you know, It's going to take longer to get uh, us back to where we want, want to be. So he doesn't think it's bouncing back anytime soon. Again, I'll go back. I I set this up for you, and I set up this whole talk by by focusing on focusing on that particular story of the nineteen uh, of nineteen eighteen. There was a sharp decline that ran through March, and the peak of the period of deaths from Spanish flu is September, October, November of nineteen eighteen. 
the economy doesn't spin around until April, till springtime. It continues to decline, and it never actually gets back to where it was in the previous August because of because of this. It's just now. It's, I'm telling you, this is a very hard thing to do. Uh, Carl Weinberg from High Frequency Economics was on Bloomberg here on Bloomberg Radio here just yesterday, and he was asked this almost the very same question as John Williams. When do you think this thing turns around? Here's his answer. Play cut number three, please. Uh, in order to be able to forecast the future, I think we have to have at least three basic facts that we do know, none of which are evident right now. How long is this going to go on, this lockdown? Number two, how low will the economy fall? What will be the bottom for GDP growth and uh, for uh, the peak for unemployment? And number three, how many firms are going to not make it through all of this and not come back? Because that will give us the starting level of the unemployment rate when we come back. If uh, 10% of the firms that, uh, that are out there don't come back, then 10% of the jobs will be lost. We'll be starting with an unemployment rate uh, in the double digits and that will gauge uh, how long we come back. And I, I, that one definitely appeals to me because, of course, the, uh, the, uh, the measurement of, of number of businesses who actually fail is kind of at the corner of this thing for me. It's really not about the unemployment insurance numbers right now. For me, it's about the failure rate of businesses. The businesses were doing fine two months ago. If we come out of this, if there's a vaccine discovered on Monday and we're all and we're all back to business as usual in, in May, which isn't going to happen, right? But even if that did happen, there are some businesses that will not be there when we all come back out, come back out into the sunshine. Maybe if we all come back in May, maybe it's only one or two percent. There'll be some. My point has been all along that thing also has an exponential growth rate. The number of businesses that will fail grows at an increasing rate the longer you have this, and in particular, the longer the shutdown lasts. Okay, so these things do need to come off. You do need to pay attention to that because you have an increasing marginal cost to another day of of closing. I'll say that again because that's an economist term. The additional cost of an additional day of keeping the economy closed down increases with the length of the shutdown. Okay, that's the nature of what happens with businesses, with supply chains, with and and, and with thinking about how how these connections work. The, it cannot go in, in some other way. We were very fortunate in 1919. First of all, that that warmer weather stopped Spanish flu and that the next iteration in 1919 wasn't nearly so bad. We were very, very lucky then. Okay, we might not be that lucky this time. I'm excited as all get out that the PGA is going to be back on my television in June. I cannot tell you how excited I am about that. And I know they won't have fans for four weeks, but that's cool. Hey, they might be even having fans by the time the PGA gets to Blaine. And I am thinking about it. I really am thinking about it. I would love to be able to go to go to watch. I was there last year. It's a great place to watch. It's actually a great place to watch golf. It's a lot of fun. Good course to go see. But will we actually be there at that time? You don't know. But that's a key question. Rather than thinking about the number of jobs lost, I actually am spending time thinking about the number of businesses lost because with the loss of those businesses becomes the loss of those opportunities for people to earn an income. Those those businesses closing means that the next job that person's getting that used to work there is probably not going to pay them as much. It's probably not as satisfying. It's just not as good a job as the one that they lost the longer you allow this, this thing to happen. That that is in fact my real real concern about the, about the 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 pace of this shutdown. I will say though that I, I do, I'm not saying we should be we should have opened already. I'm not saying the shutdowns were a bad idea. I'm perfectly fine to say two more weeks if you think that's going to cure it. All right, we're good to go. It's already built in everybody's plan. Seems like there's enough money running around out there. That's fine. But but you're you going longer has additional costs. Back after this, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. My brother said there ain't a thing I can do. My wife and my kids are all down with the flu. 
And I was just thinking of calling on you. I'm busted. Business 1440 is KYCR, Golden Valley. Wally Langfellow, Eric Nelson, Minnesota Score Magazine, Minnesota Score Radio. Time for the two-minute score. Well, Wally, because of COVID-19, sports has hit the pause button, and uh, it's a long timeout, and we don't know when it's going to end and when the games are going to return. Here in the Twin Cities, that means no Wild, no Timberwolves, no Twins, potentially no Vikings, no Gophers, no Minnesota United. My question to you is, Uh-oh. if we go through a calendar year and all of these sports are shut down, which one are you going to miss the most? Is it going to be the Twins? How about the Purple? Dare I say it, the T-Wolves? <laughs> Will it be the Minnesota Wild? What about Min U? U of M football, P.J. Fleck. If we lose these sports for a season, which one is going to be the most difficult to do without? Well, for me personally, boy, that's a great question. I will start, and you've caught me off guard with this, by the way. I will start with the Minnesota Twins simply because they're every day. 162 games, 81 home games, most of which I'm at. I'd say the Minnesota Twins are probably at the top of my list in that category purely because it's something that's every day. Um, From an excitement standpoint, probably your Minnesota Gopher football team. I'd say that's number two on my list. Granted, you only get five or six home games, but the experience at TCF Bank Stadium is great, especially when things are going gangbusters like they were last year. And then probably, I hate to admit it, going inside to U.S. Bank Stadium for your Vikings. Yeah, my ears hurt, but I do miss the NFL. All right, fair enough. Minnesota Score Radio, Saturdays at noon on AM 1440. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Hi, Minnesota. Governor Tim Walz here. During this unprecedented battle against the COVID-19 virus, I want to say how grateful I am for Minnesota's willingness to help one another. I also want to make sure that I say continue to watch your local news stations. Local news and local newspapers are putting out facts and not fear, and that's what it's going to take to get through this together. If you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website. Together, Minnesotans will defeat this and come out better on the other side. Thank you. Business 1440 and iHeartRadio, they go together like pennies and pinching. Listen anytime, anywhere at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Business 1440. I think I was born on a Tuesday. I'm not sure. Sunday be a good day to be born. Anyway, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, so, it really is a funny economy. Again, I, I, I go back to to a comment I made in two segments ago. You can't, you can't, you can't make a prediction about about what's happening right now based on the information we have at this moment um, about when this thing's going to end. Okay? To me, with all due respect to uh, to Jim Bullard, to John Williams, and to everybody else, to Janet Yellen, I, I could read you. I could just read through this and this entire piece here. Um, Janet Yellen, I think a V is possible, but I am worried that the outcome will be worse, and it really depends on, to my mind, on just how much damage is done during the time the economy is shut down the way it is now. Guess what? One of these moments, I agree with Janet Yellen. The longer you go, the worse it gets. I fully agree. I fully support that that idea. Um. But uh, but uh, Jim says uh, there is no reason it come, can't come back in a V shape. I know it's become popular to say that's not going to happen. 
but I think it can happen. So the Fed's having an argument about about the way this is going. And it really depends on which part of the economy you're in. Have you ever seen anything so split? Beautiful quote. The CAS Freight Shipments Index. It's not typically an indicator I read you here on uh, on the data-driven hour of the King Banyan Show here on Business 1440. But I'm going to read you a couple a, a graph from this, okay? Uh so the number fell 9.2%. So 9.2% fewer shipments in March than there had been on a year-over-year basis versus a year-ago level. Um, they said, in April to date, the report was released on Monday of this past week, so April 13th. Investors appear more optimistic about a flattening of the curve and a reopening of business and society sooner rather than later. We expect future market volatility to continue in the coming weeks as we believe frontline issues will get worse and draw headlines before any good news really comes to the millions of people impacted by the current crisis. Okay, terrific. This will undoubtedly be worse and likely the worst month in a long time. There has been a clear divide between winners and losers of those shut in with demand for groceries, home improvement, e-commerce, and consumer staples increasing, while restaurants, autos, and mall retail falling to practically zero volume. Okay? Where you are in terms of do we need to open up, do we not need to open up, is a complete is completely different between two sides of the of the of the of the economy. The grocery stores are doing fine, right? The pharmacy is doing fine. Retail though is collapsing. I talked to somebody this week who works in a hardware store and in fact uh, um, helps to manage that 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 hardware store it's a second generation hardware store here in central minnesota um he noticed that each week his volume goes down the first week his volume was up like 20 25 percent what was happening people like hey i'm gonna be stuck at home hey i got this project i've been meaning to do around the house for some time i'll go get my i'll go get my stuff and i'm gonna go fix that fix the basement or do whatever it was, whatever home repair they had in mind. I was talking to somebody who I who I could, I'm like, what are you doing while I'm talking to you? And she says to me, I'm painting a bedroom. I've been painting bedrooms all week. Paint still flying out of the hardware stores, according to my friend, my friend, the manager of this one hardware store. Every week, sales are dropping. Okay? You run out of ideas. And I I said, he replied, no, we're running out of money. This was the week that we were were all told to go check our bank accounts because the stimulus money has come, right? The $1,200 checks or actually just electronic fund transfers that were being sent from Washington to help stimulate the economy. Free, 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 free. And... Yeah. So said same hardware store needed to deposit receipts at the end of the night. They close a, they close I think at 5:30 or something like that. It's one of those old-fashioned hardware stores. They don't nobody goes there in the evening. They're they're basically an 8 to 5:30 business. So they've got they go to one of the major banks. Uh, I'm not going to name them cuz I'm going to I'm going to tell another story about this business in the next hour. They go to one of the major banks. They go, and they're used to dropping off the deposits through, you know, through the after-hours teller window. Goes to drive up to the after-hours teller window. It is packed. Everyone's in. There are cars upon cars upon cars in line. And it's all taking time. And he notices that what he sees is people receiving cash from the from the tellers at the windows. He's like, well, this isn't going to work. Pulls out of that one, says, hey, there's another branch of this very same bank, you know, a couple miles away. I'll go there. Same thing. Right? We make fun of a $600 unemployment insurance check, or we make fun of a $1,200 stimulus check. They're not supposed to be stimulus. I I know we're not supposed to use that word, but I'm going to use that word. Why? Because, frankly, for a lot of people, they just really need that money. People don't have large savings. 
And so that money's going to get plowed back into the very same places that are still able to operate right now during the shutdown. That probably will help the restaurants. It actually gives me a little hope that the restaurants probably are, at least for the next few weeks, are still going to be okay because people still have cash in their pocket. But places like the hardware store, which are used to getting people to come through the door, and many of them pay cash, or many of them maybe have a credit line at the hardware store, but paid it down because they saw that their balance was getting too large. Those are the places that I think are going to end up suffering the longer this goes on. Those are the places that are going to start seeing significant declines. Significant declines as we go forward. So when I say to you, I don't know how long this is going to last, if I say to you, it could be a V or a U, that's what I'm thinking. And the, to me, the V versus the U is in no small part the result of policy. I'll go back to what I mentioned at the beginning of the hour. I've been spending time reading a paper by Robert Barrow about Spanish flu and and what they did to try to combat Spanish flu back in, uh, back in 1918, 1919. And they're able to show by looking at variations in how cities decided to do their, to do their uh, various kinds of uh, health policies that policies like what we're doing now, because in 1918 they closed the schools, in 1918 they, they stopped people from going to theaters and restaurants, back then the saloon and so forth, they could go there, the restaurants, they did all that, and what they found was places that did it more, their peak, their peak week of deaths was lower, but the total amount of deaths didn't really change. It just pushed it out a little further. The same thing is happening with the economic pain. The stimulus that we receive, the CARES Act money, is, is flattening the rate at which we're gonna, businesses are going to die. But if you keep, this, if you keep this, these non-pharmaceutical interventions, the, the lockdowns in place, you're just pushing them out. It's still going to happen and maybe even get worse. That's that's the real concern. We'll be back after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Fierce Nachawati with Principal Office in Dallas, Texas is responsible for the content in this ad. Attention women, if you or a loved one used talcum powder for at least four years and were then diagnosed with advanced stages of ovarian cancer or metastatic ovarian cancer before the age of 75, listen closely. You may be entitled to substantial compensation. Call 800-991-4422. Time is limited to file a claim and we'll have to pull your medical records. You must have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer within the last 10 years. You need an attorney on your side fighting for your rights. Call 800-991-4422. One of the leading manufacturers of talcum powder has been ordered to pay millions of dollars in claims to the families of women who died of ovarian cancer. If you or a loved one used talcum powder for at least four years and were diagnosed with advanced stages of ovarian cancer or metastatic ovarian cancer that moved to other organs within the last 10 years, don't wait. Call 800-991-4422. That number again, 800-991-4422. Call 800-991-4422. Call right now. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, this is Lee. And this is Matt from the Kingdom Builders. About 22 years ago, I remember doing my father's roof in Bloomington after a huge hailstorm had gone through. 
And now he just had me come out and take a look at his roof because he wants to make sure it's okay. 22 years old now. Most roofs in that time era were good for about 20, 25, maybe 30 years. So if you're looking to get an honest assessment on whether your 22-year-old roof is still good, give us a call. Yeah, Lee, I remember that storm too. And as I drive around Burnsville, uh, Bloomington, the South Metro, I see all of these roofs that replaced back in 1998. And it may be time for an assessment for us to come out and let you know if you have a year or three left or if now is a good time to get those shingles replaced. For an honest assessment on your roof or gutters, give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com.